Good morning and welcome to episode 51 of the Jaguar Report podcast. Your Jacksonville Jaguars are undefeated to start the 2023 NFL season. We're going to break it down, break down the week one win over the Colts for you. My name's Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. John, how are you doing one week into the season? 51 episodes. I, 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 I It's literally a weekly bit, but still... <laughs> How has this been? And now you saying that it's a weekly bit is becoming yeah. a thing itself. It, it it is. It's 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 a good time. It's a good time. You just got. Uh, I mean, you time. know, it, week one. Honestly, it kind of flew by, and I also kind of enjoyed that they were playing on the road. I got to you know watch some of the other games and see some of the pure slop that was week one of the NFL season. What a yeah. disgusting week of football in in all senses. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Especially last night, too, to round it all up. Dude. The best thing has been the Zach Wilson optimism. Like, it took, what was it, four or five Josh Allen turnovers for Zach Wilson to put together a drive where he didn't trip over and, you know, break his nose on the field. (laughs) Like, it it was a good week for takes. It it was. And, you know, unsurprisingly, you know, I I think most people probably picked for – the AFC South to go winless other than the Jaguars in week one. I mean, Houston obviously played Baltimore. I don't think many people picked Houston. They played Baltimore tough. Like, kind of like, personally, I think, you know, you could probably yeah. expect. Like, did you see anything from that game? Like, Will Anderson was – he was a, like, demolition. Like, like yeah, man. Like, he, on the field. Yeah, he's – like, if you're looking at, like, toughest matchups for Anton Harrison in his rookie year, Will Anderson's already, like – nearly at the top of the list. Like mm-hmm. he's what I, I think next gen stats said he had like the most pressures of any rookie pass rusher in his debut in like the last yeah, handful of years. And then Tennessee lost to the Saints in a game that you know if anybody has time, go back and watch the condensed version. It is a hilarious, pure like there's no good football play on that field. And it is just good good stuff i mean it's so I, bad do not go walk do not go back and watch the titans win no the, please go watch the it please. performance from Tannehill. i i highly endorse that game man trevor pinning versus arden key like i saw like the pressure stats and they were like outrageous and i'm like okay yeah. maybe it's not that bad and then i see some of the clips and i'm like oh this dude's unplay- unplayable <laughs> yeah, that was probably like the biggest mismatch of week one for yeah any unit yeah, I I mean Arden Key versus the Jaguars this will be a good good battle, man. He's I yeah. he's he's still feel like he's an ascending player, but this there or that. So, you know, like you said, Jaguars came away with the win. Do you remember what your score prediction was? Mine was 34 17. So okay. off, off by three or four both ways. And yours was 30 to 17. So you were a little closer. Okay. I mean Honestly, like if, <laughs> at <laughs> the end of the day, when you like look at like the sum of the game, I really think a big part of it was, you know, expectations for the Jaguars is why a lot of people, you know, came away looking worried. And yeah, there were there were some like befuddling drives. Tank Bigsby's two turnovers were terrible. But in my, you know, staff predictions this week, I wrote I don't think this is a game the Jaguars is just going to absolutely cruise through, but I also don't think the Colts had the secondary to keep up with the Jaguars offense. They didn't have it to keep up with Ridley. I expect Anthony Richardson to make things interesting at times with explosive plays, but ultimately it'll be hard for a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach to keep pace with Trevor and Doug. Jaguars win a game that might be close to halftime, but they pull away in the second half. 
Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it kind of uh, honestly didn't play out like that differently. Like, it, like right. the screenplay wasn't a bomb. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Like, it, it, we got to the result I expected, but a very like different uh, way because it definitely looked like after the Bigsby fumble, I was like, okay, <laughs> there's a very real chance this could unravel. Right. It seemed like there was like a 50 50 chance they were going to win or lose in like about the middle of the third quarter. And then they ended up scoring back to back touchdowns through Tank and then ETN. And it was a 10 point ball game. And then by the end, it was like, it was kind of a sloppy performance by the Jaguars, but they still put up 31 points. And like we said earlier, like every team besides the Dolphins and the Chargers, like looked pretty sloppy in week one. So all things considered, like they had a pretty decent outing. Yeah, I mean, you obviously look at it. They're not, you know, high up in EPA play, anything, EPA per play or anything like that. Like, they're in the 20s offensively. That's obviously you turn it over twice, one time for a touchdown. You're going to get dinged for. So they obviously weren't, you know, lighting things up. But overall, you know, you look at the end result. I mean, a 10-point win, 31 points on the road to place win. You haven't been, you know, very good. The defense only really gave up 14 points because seven of those points were on one of the stupidest plays that ever happened. And no. it, like, not to say what he did was stupid, but like the entire play was a stupid thing. Because I yeah. personally, I thought the play was over. Like, obviously, there wasn't a whistle, but it felt like to me, like everybody's just standing there, it's kind of giving himself up, you know. Right. And it kind of seemed like the dude who knocked the ball out even knocked it out and was like staring at it. Sure. And then Buckner just kind of picked it up and ran with it. So, I mean. The big news, Gus, obviously, before the game was that Press Taylor would be calling plays for the Jaguars offense. You know, Doug said in the NFL.com piece, and I said since that Press called plays in second halves of games last year. Like he even said yesterday, like, this isn't his first time doing it. Don't misunderstand that, et cetera. But yesterday was still – I mean, not yesterday. Sunday was still the first time he called, like, a full game of, as the official Jaguars play caller whatever you want to call it. I mean, what, what what do you make of really all of that and what the offense showed in week one? Uh, in terms of the Press Taylor stuff, I'm trying to, like, think of it of a non-story because, like, I did post something about it on Sunday morning on Big Cat Country. But, like, at the end of the day, I kind of feel like regardless of what the quotes are and what the, like, news from Rappaport is, like, Doug has, like, oversees the offense and, like, yeah. the final decisions come down to him. So, like, even if Press is technically calling – a lot of the plays that happen in the game, like Doug isn't like pointing it out to him right before each play call and saying like, Ooh, I think this one could be good. But like in the meetings throughout the week, like it's clearly like a collaborative effort. And then like, it comes down to Peterson and it's more of like press Taylor executing Peterson's vision, even if like press Taylor is calling the plays. And so like, I feel like if anything, like people are just using press and like that story, as a scapegoat for some like offensive woes that happened during the game. So like, I'm trying not to like really pay that much attention to that story. And in terms of just the Jags offense in general, uh, they were not quite as efficient as we're used to seeing between the twenties. And those two ugly turnovers were definitely a big part of it. But then like Trevor had one or two misses on outside throws to Ridley to like uh, for the offense to get off the field. And there was, like that one drive where they just had three straight tank runs for three and out, which like that was just atrocious. That was um, the funniest drive of the game. Yeah. So <laughs> in between the twenties was like, they still ended up being fine, but they were just so good between the twenties last year that 
you thought maybe it would be look a little bit cleaner, even if it was week one. But in the red zone, like, holy cow, that was the biggest difference in, like, this game versus last year to me because last year the Jags were one of the worst teams at converting red zone drives into touchdowns. And then this game they had three red zone drives and three touchdowns. There was the Lawrence throw to Ridley on the bootleg to the left. There was the Lawrence throw to Zay Jones in the corner of the end zone. And then there was Tank Bigsby where he like pushed the pile and the refs never called the whistle. And then like media after, after that play, he just punched it in from one, one yard out. Um, so to me, I think that was like the big key of the game was how they performed in the red zone, especially since they weren't a red zone team last year. And like hats off to Tank because like those were two of the worst turnovers you'll ever see, let alone in the same game. But then in the second half, he ended up like doing what the Jaguars envisioned him to do on their team, which was like be the between the tackles grinder that just punches it into the end zone. Um, So I was really encouraged by what I saw from the red zone offense. I love that you brought up that Tank Bigsby, you know, carried a, I mean, it was a big play of the game, you know, it set up like first, like a fresh set of downs at the one. Yeah. But if you go back and watch it, it's like, Brenton Strange basically like grabbing Tank Bigsby like he's getting ready for like a German suplex and just like dragging him <laughs> and several Colts defenders, which brings me, Gus, to this week's edition of Bulky Ball. Would you <laughs> rather have any of Tyreek Stevenson, John Michael Schmitz? Can't tell you who that is. Yeah. What? Luke Shoemaker. Are these <laughs> the players? Lawrence or DJ Turner or a week one win for the Jaguars? Oh, come on. <laughs> you just got bought Bulky like Ball. Stevenson or Turner got drafted. Like, they would have left without a W. You just got Bulky Ball. They don't win that game without Winston I would rather have Stevenson or Turner. Like, I'd still rather have another young corner. So, than, they're, wor- than the so they're worth a whole they're worth a whole win to you? Is Brenton Strange worth a whole win to you? I feel like you're the one getting Bulky Ball. It's like, what? No. If, if you look at the nitty-gritty, they won that game because Brenton Strange carried Tank Bigsby like a toddler. <laughs> well, there was, was, he, was he one of the ones I was pushing? or one of the He was the pushing? one pushing. He literally grabs him and pulls him. There was other people like pulling, some people pushing. Uh, it was a whole pile. It wasn't just you, Brenton Strange. That's what You, you got masterclass. No, no, no. This is insane. You got masterclass. This is the one time I haven't been masterclass, in my opinion. Maybe we'll, we can we'll, the polls or something, but we I, I will take <laughs> we, we will take it to a poll. Would you rather have Tyreek Stevenson or DJ Turner or a week one win? That's the poll. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's bulky ball. Yeah, master. What's the next segment? Yeah, <laughs> you got too much fun with this one. I mean, I mostly agree with you, like on the Press Taylor stuff, like. In my head, I'm really like, how different is it probably from last year? Like at the end of the day the only people who are hearing the play call are like the coaches and Trevor Lawrence. Like somebody asked Zay Jones yesterday, like, could you even tell a difference in play caller? And he was like, no, <laughs> like, yeah, like they don't, yeah. yeah, they don't know. They don't know. It doesn't really matter. And like you said, Doug Peterson, like he, it's literally his offense, you know, like his fingerprints, he's mm-hmm. going to obviously empower his staff members and stuff, try to give them responsibilities. I mean, He's obviously been trying to make Press Taylor offensive coordinator like a thing for some time now. You know, like he's yeah. an offensive coordinator, but like trying to really elevate him in the ranks. And I think this way, 
you know, it helps Press Taylor at the very least have that on his resume without really changing too much. So, like, this didn't look too different from some games they had last year. Like, it really, like, it, for as good as their offense was last year, they had some really weird calls at times. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like a it, lot of slow starts, too. It, I, I know it, I, it's a, another probably bit of mine where I compare everything Doug does to Andy Reid, but Andy Reid, same thing, man. He just completely outsmarts himself sometimes. Some drives, like, entire drives, you're like, man, what? What the hell was that? You know, and I so it didn't feel like it was that different to me on Sunday. And I really think it's probably more of a semantic difference than anything. So I'm with you. And I thought the offense, like I thought Trevor played really well. You know, obviously the two turnovers were on him. He had a couple of missed throws here and there. The sack wasn't, you know, neither sack was on him. He got rid of the ball, like against some intense pressure out of structure sometimes like that. Throw he hit the Ridley that you know at that crazy window. Then oh, he had yeah. two guys defenders, not the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had two guys right, like coming right in the middle. You know, the left guard and the center get beat, and he still makes the throw. You know, off platform, the touchdown throw. You know, Evan Ingram was the primary read. He was covered. He's able to you know still play on time, out of structure, get the ball to Ridley. I thought it was a really you know good game from Lawrence, I, and I think that it kind of showed you know where he's at, you know, entering the stage of where he is as a quarterback. And I mean, I, I guess really that brings us, you know, to the next thing, Kevin Ridley. Like I, I, I thought it was exactly what you should expect. You know, like there's, there's zero rust. He is able to put cornerbacks like in a blender one-on-one and he's finally, you know, the guy who they have that Trevor Lawrence can kind of hit at all levels of the field. Like Trevor Lawrence is, you know, so good at playing on time, you know, no matter if there's pressure, you know, whatever, if he has to get out of structure, he can still be on time, you know, with the concept or, you know, whatever they're trying to accomplish with the routes. And you throw in a guy like Calvin Ridley, who, you know, can basically win any kind of route downfield and win any kind of ball. And it is a crazy combination. And their like chemistry is already like seamless. <laughs> like that, that first deep catch he had was an insane play. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one. Honestly, I think the most impressive play that they had was the one that was called back for a holding. It was similar to that play you're talking about, but this one was on the right sideline. And Ridley, like, fakes like he was going long and then kind of yeah. chopped speed as if he was settling and then went long again and then came back for the comeback. And he had, like, over five yards easily of separation. And then Lawrence had – because on that one that you were describing, like, Lawrence kind of – got out of the pocket a little bit just to like buy an extra second and then threw it. So it was the same one on this one where Lawrence like bought one extra second rolled out to the right before just like firing it for the easiest completion ever. Um, But yeah, like Ridley did exactly what for this offense, what I was hoping he would do because Lawrence finished with a pretty brutal expected points added per play because of the two turnovers, but he also had a 56% success rate, which was second in the league behind only Matt Stafford, and it would have been first in the league last year. So he was really good on a down-to-down basis, and we saw a lot of that last year. But now he's, like, adding in the explosive passes. Like, last year he wasn't really very productive or efficient on throws 20-plus yards downfield. And then on Sunday he was 3-for-3 for 60-something yards and a touchdown, and the other two went for first downs. So, like, the fact that he's paired his, like, down-to-down consistency from last year with the explosive explosiveness downfield since Ridley is in the building 
uh, like those two gelled even better than I could have expected in week one. Yeah. And I think like the big thing people have been saying, you know, for Trevor in his first two years, we get him a downfield weapon. And, you know, like they just really have not had one. Like DJ Chark, everybody was kind of hoping would be that was injured super early into Lawrence's career. Never really played with him. And then last year, the downfield options were Marvin Jones, you know, Zay Jones, where, you know, Zay can win on some like deep routes, like double moves here and there. But I don't think you want him to be your primary like guy attacking downfield. And then Christian Kirk, another guy who, you know, he can win vertically from the slot, but he's still more dangerous in the intermediate and underneath. Ridley is a completely, you know, different receiver. Like he's a receiver that Lawrence has never had. And, downfield and then you add in everything that he can do at every other level of the field and it I, it feels like he's about to have a you know special season i mean just looking at how they spread the ball around ridley at you know they had 32 attempts ridley had 11 targets you know over 34 percent of the target distribution zay jones had seven you know almost 22 percent evan ingram and etn each had five at about 15 percent kirk only had three at 9.3 percent and then bigsby had the one, which obviously was an interception, so not great success rate on throwing the tank Bigsby. But, I mean, Kirk, just three targets. How surprised were you by maybe his lack of involvement? To me, it, in my opinion, a lot of it had to do with the Colts are stronger in the middle than they are on the outside. Like, their linebackers – I was really impressed by their linebackers, both oh of them. Oh, my gosh. Is that your Franklin? Holy yeah, even EJ Speed, man. I mean, they were they were flying around yeah. man, in, in the passing game and running game. Like – and then Kenny Moore is the Colts, you know, best probably, you know, pack seven defender, and he plays in the slot. I wasn't too surprised that it wasn't a giant Christian Kirk week. I was surprised that maybe he didn't see a ton of targets. But I think you also saw Trevor, you know, you watch it back. Kirk was still getting open. So Trevor was honestly kind of passing op- open, like passing over and open Kirk at times to try to push the ball downfield. And I – Honestly, like, you know, and you look back at the snaps, he plays around, he played around 60% of the snaps, you know, Zay Jones for somehow, you know, led them in snaps, you know, right. Kirk, Kirk, you know, played fewer snaps than Evan Ingram. It, it'll be interesting to watch over the season, but it, it could be, you know, obviously it'll be a weekly thing, how they deploy them, you know, whether it be a Kirk week, it seemed like every week could be a Ridley week, but whether it could be a Kirk week to be featured, whether it could be Zay, whether it could be Evan Ingram, but it really does feel like Kirk's like standing as like this guy was going to get this amount of targets every week. It's kind of gone, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I've got some more stats to supplement yours. Uh, Calvin Ridley ran a route on 97% of dropbacks. Zay Jones was 94% and Christian Kirk was 66%. That's crazy. I think the biggest thing, because so you can see there that like not just the target, the targets that they earned, but like the route participation were both low for Kirk. And I think the biggest thing for that is just the personnel that they used. Because I know that you mentioned this in the past, but like we saw in the preseason that whenever the Jags went into 12 personnel, having two tight ends on the field, then Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones are their two receivers that they keep on the field. And Christian Kirk just comes off. So. 11 personnel with three receivers will be like Jacksonville's primary package and Kirk will play the majority of snaps. But at the same time, like they're going to keep using these jumbo packages and 12 personnel and uh, less three wide receiver sets than like the Rams of late late or the Rams of old, I guess a couple years ago, or like any of these teams that are like super duper high into 11 personnel. Um, So like, I don't really know. I agree with you that 
the Colts' strength is in the middle of the field, and that was a big part of Kirk having a quiet day. But because he's not going to be he's not going to see 90% of snaps unless an injury happens to Zay or to Calvin. Like, I don't know how many spike weeks he really has in them. Yeah. It's because like last year he could play outside at times because, you know, if you look at him and Marvin, you know, he's still, you know, the better option. Now that you add Ridley, it's different. Ingram has the luxury of he can play when they're in 11 personnel and he can also play when they're in 12 or, you know, 13 personnel. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I think it will be interesting to watch. You know, moving forward, I think one more thing is just that Ridley had at least two, if not three screen targets. And I'm curious if that's like their plan going forward or if they just wanted to like make sure they involved him in week one to kind of like get him going. Because usually we see those types of like RPO screen targets go to Evan Engram, which he got one or two or Christian Kirk. And so I'll be looking to see in the future, like if maybe Kirk gets some of those gimme targets a little bit more or if like. They just stay on Calvin's plate. That's true, because I, I do think there is credence to the fact of, you know, get Calvin going week one and his first game back. So that's a good point. I, I, I think outside of, you know, Kirk's involvement and Trevor, the other big thing in, in Calvin, the other big thing people were talking about was the offensive line. I mean, I in my opinion, you know, you look at the pressure numbers and you go back and watch it, you know, most of the pressures were attributed, you know, to the interior. Ben Barch gave up three. He gave up a sack, you know, the strip sack by DeForest Buckner. That was Ben Barch. Anton Harrison gave up two pressures, including a sack. That was, you know, that sack right before halftime to knock them out of field goal range. You know, that was Anton. And then I believe they had Luke Fortner with, I want to say, either one or two pressures. Luke Fortner had a solid game, I thought, in pass protection. It was more so the running game that he was kind of stagnant in. And then Brandon Sheriff with the one pressure and Walker Little with one pressure. You know, I posted that, and a lot of people were surprised that, you know, Walker Little, especially, was recorded for one pressure. Uh, I guess a lot of people came away with the impression of I mean, the offensive line did struggle at times. You know, Quiddy Pay beat Anton a few times. Uh, he was able to, you know, win, you know, kind of – in big time moments, you know, kind of plays that really, you know, stick to people's memory and they were able to win, especially in the interior on passing downs, but you go back and watch it. And other than the play where Walker little gets beat by Quiddy pay around the edge and gives up the holding on the uh, negated, you know, big shot, the Calvin Ridley downfield, mm -hmm. there wasn't any plays where Walker little really struggled. I thought it was one of his better games, you know, really as a Jaguar started left tackle, and then you look at Anton, he obviously gave up the two pressures and the sack. It was, I think, kind of – I'm not going to say what you should expect because I said he would play good. So <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and not, you know, dip my toes in that water. He played like a young rookie, you know, right tackle who is obviously, you know, going to have some growing pains. Uh, other than the pressures, you know, on one of Jamal Agnew's two touches on three offensive snaps, which is – Still, one of the funniest things that they do. You know, he was he was pulling, and he just gets completely stood up in the hole. Isn't able to finish the block. Gets you know tackled for loss. Other than that, I thought he had you know he had some impressive moments. You know, in the running game, he was able to get some movement. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had a zone read early in the game that for a first down that you know he was able to wall off the linebacker pretty well. So I think the interior definitely struggled in the running game and the passing game at times, but. I thought Walker Little played well, and I thought Anton was—he he was a rookie right tackle. You know, he had some good—he had some flashes, but he also had some 
you know, bad moments and those bad moments were in some of the biggest plays of the game. Yeah, I don't really take away too much from either of the tackles since I had six combined NFL starts going into week one. I am a little bit concerned about the interior offensive line, both in terms of running because the Jaguars are clearly intent on getting better between the tackles, especially in the red zone. And like just drafting tank alone isn't going to solve all of that. Um, but then also in pass protection, because we did see uh, Lawrence take a couple shots down the field. But at the same time, I was pretty surprised that there wasn't more shots. And like Calvin Ridley had seven of his eight catches in the first half. It was, if you're going to like try to attack uh, NFL secondary, then this Colts secondary is the one to attack. And so like DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart are very good players on the interior. So that's like not an easy task for Jacksonville's interior offensive line. But like, I just thought there was going to be a little bit more of a downfield attack. And so the fact that there wasn't is like, if there wasn't one in week one, like, is there ever going to be one? Hey, Trevor had the second fastest time to throw this week. Yeah. I, I had that written down too. 2.43 seconds behind only Dak and Dak like barely had to play quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean, it definitely kind of felt like they're like, I don't want to say, oh, because they were playing two really good defense tackles. I mean, Grover Stewart and the Force Buckner, you look back at the two Colts games last year in this game, like they always kick the hell out of the Jaguars offensive line, but mm-hmm. pretty much every team has a dude on the defensive line, you know, like, Chris Jones might not play 100% of snaps this week, but he's still going to be there. Then, you know, you get to next week, you know, Will Anderson. You get to the next week, you know, you have Grady Jarrett, and I will have to check in on Calais Campbell. But, you know, we'll, we'll – and then, you know, you move to Buffalo. You know, obviously it, it goes on and on. You know, pretty much everybody you play has a guy, whether it's inside or outside. So you can't really use that excuse. So, I mean, just you know, need need better play there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Miles Garrett doing like the crossover thing over the center? Bro. That's the most flagrant thing I've ever seen in an NFL game. <gasps> oh my God. But that's the thing is that like hypothetically Walker Little and Anton Harrison after a couple more games to like get comfortable, will be able to hold their own against most competition. Yeah. But then like, what what do you do when Miles Garrett is across from Luke Fortner? I mean, imagine being the center and just this complete alien is <laughs> about to run full speed at you. He's literally toying with you like a lion with its feet. It's, it's, uh, it's deflating. It definitely is. Yeah. I, uh, again, like it was really cool to see Lawrence's consistency from last year being paired with kind of explosive downfield throws. But I just like, I thought there was going to be more downfield throws. And I think they could have put up more than 31 points if their offensive line had held, held up a little bit more. So, like, as of now, I think the O-line is, like, the only thing standing in their way from being a top three offense, as you predicted. Yeah, I mean, the Anton sack alone gave them, you know, potentially three points off the board, if not potentially seven, because they were in field goal range before a sack. Uh, the Forrest Buckner strip sack for a touchdown, you know, happened because Ben Barch got, you know, beat by DeForest Buckner. You say, yeah, you know, a lot of it goes to, you know, some of those plays at pivotal moments. Gus, do you have anything else on the offense? Uh, I said, or I had a stat written down that they had a 66.7% red zone rush success rate, which is insanely high. And so, like, I just forgot to mention that earlier. The the red zone offense was, like, clicking on all cylinders. So that will be a big thing to see against the Chiefs if that can carry over. No, it it definitely was. It felt like that was 
like the smoothest the red zone offense has like looked in a little bit. And I mean, all three of their, you know, really touchdowns there were set up by, you know, plays that they were able to execute that, you know, you saw them, you know, really fail, you know, earlier in the game. Like it seemed like they tried to get Travis Etienne outside all game and it didn't really pop. Like, and like you look at his like, like rushing chart from next gen stats and it's like, yeah. One like tiny like moderate run to the left, and then one big run, and then just yes. him slamming into a wall, and every other carry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, overall, you know, the the Jaguars' their rushing success rate it was number six this week. I mean, forty two point four overall. I mean, that, that that's that's a little surprising, honestly. I, mm-hmm. I, I was just gonna say for context, usually success rates are a little bit under forty percent. Uh, yeah. And at one point, like, especially after those three straight tank tr- runs for the three and out, like, it was like, why are they, like, trying to test Buckner and Stewart? Um, yeah. But, like, eventually, like, they ended up having, like, a pretty efficient run game. Uh, the last red zone set I had was the Jags had negative 11.5 expected points added on late downs, so third and fourth down. And then they lost 4.4 expected points from turnovers but they gained 9.1 expected points in the red zone. So just another way of saying the red zone was kind of the key to victory. Yeah, it absolutely was. Funniest moments of the game to me, the three straight tank runs after the tank reception where it kind of felt like they were like saying, it's okay, we're not mad at you. Here's a few times. Yeah, Uh, Going at some point from second and two, nearly in the red zone and in field goal range to – punting the ball <laughs> like it was like there was like Deonis Johnson's only carry gets blown up for like four yards and then get sacked on the next play you're like right how, how the hell things unravel you know this quickly and then the funniest moment of the game in my opinion was we'll get to it the defense the, the screenplay I'm, I'm sorry I, that I, I still no matter how many times I see it I, I I can't get over you know really how it occurred but we'll be right back after this break to talk about that and more of the defense Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Gus, we went over the offense, now onto the defense. Go ahead, and I guess we can, you know, lead off with it. Really, I thought the only play where it was, like, maddeningly, like, okay, what are you doing, was Michael Pittman's screen touchdown. Like, I, like I, 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 after it happened, I kept being like, all right, there's got to be a flag somewhere. <laughs> like, right. it, what was it? It was, like, second and 22 or something like that? I think it was second and 28. Dude. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it was definitely second and 20 plus. And the thing is, like, it's not like there was like a clear missed tackle by a Jaguar or anything like that. You could, you just couldn't even tell like where the blown assignment was, really. Like, Pittman just ran untouched 40 yards into the end yeah. zone. Yeah, it was. I mean, you, you look back at it, and that play definitely kind of skews Anthony Richardson's stats. It, it was funny. Anthony Richardson, like, it felt like threw two times to his left. One was 
an untouched screen touchdown in the most random of moments. And then one was an interception by Tyson Campbell. So it, other than that, like it felt like the Jaguars, like the defense really struggled last year with, you know, those type of plays, like just screens being forced to tackle in space. And it felt like, you know, overall outside of a few plays and outside of that play, especially the tackling, you know, was improved. The missed tackles went down, you know, they were one of the worst tackling teams, arguably in the NFL, you know, last year, Mike Caldwell and Doug Peterson both pointed that out as something that they wanted to fix. I mean, I thought that overall that was one of the more encouraging things, but I do think some context is needed. Obviously, Anthony Richardson's first game, Deion Jackson, I thought had one of the worst, you know, him and Tank Bigsby were like trying to outdo each other at times. Like, like (laughs) Deion Jackson had just a woeful, you know, game, two turnovers. Yeah. 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 He two turnovers, several, you know, failed rushes. I think he had a drop on a third down on like an angle route. And I mean, the Jaguars had the best, rushing defense by EPA by like almost double <laughs> like the next team. So they obviously were able to destroy the Colts on the ground. The Colts, it felt like weren't really running Anthony Richardson purposely because they didn't want to hurt him because he's still <laughs> running like, you know, like you would expect a rookie has to get used to hits. Like he's running like a freaking, you know, steam engine and trying to run people over. I think that's why he got hurt late in the game. Yeah. Overall, we're, No, you say something. <laughs> All right, no. uh, Anthony Richardson had zero attempts more than 20 yards downfield. That's crazy. And from 10 to 15 yards downfield, he was three for eight with an interception and three first downs. So, like, was- the Colts passing offense beyond 10 yards was, like, pretty much non-existent. And, like, I feel like his, like, biggest, like, attempt of the game was the Tyson Campbell interception. Like, that was, like, the toughest window he was trying to fit or whatever or the farthest pass he attempted. Um, Yeah, I'm interested to see, like, if the Colts kind of, like, let him loose a little bit more in the future or if they're just going to run this, like, shell of an offense for the entire season. I mean, it's pretty tough without your best offensive player and Jonathan Taylor out there. Uh, But, yeah, the Colts – had a 19% success rate on the ground, which was easily the worst of the week and like half of the normal, a normal success rate. So one out of every five carries were deemed like a good run for the Colts. I mean, that was just kind of the key of the game. It's just that they were like so dominant on the like early downs and against the run. And then the Colts just had nothing to offer downfield. Like they couldn't take advantage of the Jaguars stacking the box or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the Colts the Colts scored 21 points. Seven of those were on that weird Tank Bigsby, the Forrest Buckner play. Yeah. Seven of those came on that super weird screen play. Yeah. And seven of those, you know, came on and Anthony Richardson, you know, running the red zone where it seemed like they were kind of able to, you know, beat the Jaguars on some choice routes, some, you know, RPO stuff. Anthony Richardson, for all the stats you said, was still better than I thought he'd be, honestly. Right, because the thing is, like, he was so raw and so inaccurate in college that you were almost like expecting like an ugly turnover or three. Uh, but like the Campbell interception certainly wasn't pretty, but it was also a good play by Campbell. And like, yeah. that was like kind of the only mistake I can remember him making off the top of my head. There was that one play that the tight end early in the game 
where it just went off the tight end's fingertips, and even though it was like a five yard throw, so that was that was another one of the funniest moments of the game. Uh, but yeah, like he played like a fairly clean game. I thought it was going to look like Bortles. Yeah, no, the one the tank interception that like went off of tank that was a Bortles interception. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I mean. Overall, I thought it was one of the better games. It's not the best that Fully Fadakasi has played, you know, for the Jaguars. Roy Robson Harris had a really good game. They, I mean, it's another thing. The Jaguars defensive line, you know, just like the Colts defensive line has done good against the Jags the last two years, the Jags defensive line has kind of dominated this Colts, you know, offensive line in their last three contests. Josh Allen. So, Josh Allen, career high three sacks, you know, just to, you know, clear it. One of them was on a, you know, chase down sack for Anthony Richardson. I think it was on – the first or second drive, you know, Roy Robinson Harris got the initial pressure, flushed him out. Allen, really nice play chasing down. The other two was like him like pushing him out of bounds, like behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And one of them he literally dropped into coverage and then just like came up and pushed him out of bounds. And it was for a one yard loss. So it was 10 for USA. And like on one hand, you know, that's another thing. You know, I posted. No, the pass rush win rate at stuff yesterday. So he had four pressures on 34 pass rush snaps. You know, it's not a ton of pressures, but you look at his overall impact on the game and, you know, part of the reason I said, I thought it was one of the best, like most complete games of his career. He was an absolute menace in the run game. You know, he made several big plays and even, even if he didn't have a highly efficient game as a pass rusher, still, you know, four important pressures against a team that wasn't dropping back very much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the pass rush opportunities were there very often. Uh, it felt like he could have even had, you know, a four sack. You know, he had Anthony Richardson in his grasp. Anthony Richardson looks like to me, he's probably going to be one of the hardest quarterbacks in the NFL to take down. Definitely. So I, I thought Josh Allen still, you know, had a really, really good game. He was, you know, like – some of the plays he made as the backside, you know, edge player crashing against the run, yeah, were some of the most violent like plays of the game, and I think it kind of makes a statement, you know, to the rest of the team when, you know, one of your guys is making plays like that. So, I thought he had an impressive game, and then you know Trayvon Walker, you know, he had fewer pass rushes than Josh Allen. He had so he had two, you know, fewer reps than Josh Allen, but I thought overall, you know. Four pressures, 16.7% win rate. Uh, you know, you saw him loop inside a few times. You saw him get a sack before half. I thought it was a more effective game from Walker than you saw most of the time last year. I mean, it was, you know, one of the probably fourth, maybe fifth most efficient game he's had, you know, in his career so far. So it wasn't Aiden Hutchinson against the Chiefs, but it was a good game. I mean, he did have one more sack than Hutchinson had against the Chiefs. That's true. That's <laughs> true. And they all count. They all count. <laughs> they all count. But yeah, I I think Trayvon hasn't taken the step, but he did take a step because like his get off and just his comfort in the defense seemed to improve a lot. And there were certainly some times where he would rush the passer and kind of just like get held up by the tackle and not be able to shed a block at all. But like there was definitely a clear improvement from last year. And like he did the same thing that Josh did a couple of times where like as the backside defender on a run play that went to the opposite side, just like an incredible tackle in the backfield. Uh, So I was pretty encouraged by Trayvon. Um, And then Josh Allen was like the best player on the field with his career high in sacks. He led the team in tackles for loss with three. He also tied for the team league team lead with eight solo tackles, which 
is pretty rare <laughs> to see like a non-linebacker or safety be up there. Yeah. So Josh had an awesome game. Trayvon had an encouraging game. And then like all the guys in the middle of them, like were really like the unsung heroes of the game, I think, yeah. between Roy Robertson Harris, Fatukazi, even like Ledbetter and like Blackburn yeah. and like whoever all these like guys off yeah. the street are. Like like they all like they all had like good reps and good plays. Um, so like it really starts with the defensive line, but Tyson Campbell was credited with like allowing four catches, but off the top of my head, like I don't remember him like allowing like a single contested catch. I wonder if those are all just like catches where he happened to be the closest defender because yeah. he had a couple really nice open field tackles, the interception. Uh, Darius Williams had a quiet game in a good way where he didn't really let up a lot and had one or two really good pass breakups. Yeah, late in the game. And then to me, like maybe the most impressive player not named Josh Allen was Andre Sisco because yeah. he made another like he had a, one awesome open field tackle on like the Colts is like only rushing play of more than ten yards. Um, but like on the first play, he like flew in on the screen to make the tackle with Trey Herndon. He was just like flying all around all over the place, all over the place. Uh, like we talked about wanting to see, or at least I did, the confidence boost year two from Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker. But it seems like there's a big confidence boost for Andre Cisco in his third year. He he seems like a good player. He do. The the speed he flew around the field on Sunday and like some of the tackles he was making as the deep safety, like right. filling in, he had a crazy game. He 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 really did. Like I I'm with you. I I think he was up there with Josh Allen as the best player, you know on the field when he was out there. Like he what lost on one choice route to Josh Downs like early in the game. I think on Anthony Richardson's first touchdown drive. And other than that, mm-hmm. he he was literally everywhere. You know, and he he's probably gonna see his fair amount of penalties <laughs> and fines, you know, yeah. just for the way he just for the way he plays. But it definitely feel like he's taken that, you know, really that next step. So I'm I'm definitely with you. I thought, you know, for I had a bunch of people like tweeting at me like you know, with Allen and Walker, you know, four sacks, eight pressures combined, you know, good showing be- between them. Like you said, the pass rush is going to suck, you know, go to hell, you know, F your mother, stuff like that, et cetera. Yeah, not, 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 not some of those last ones, but I still contend that my issue always was the pass rush stuff behind them. And then right. I think you saw late in the game when, I mean, Trayvon Walker played like 85% of snaps. Like that's not, that's not normal. You know, that's not good, man. I like, I feel like Abdullah went into the game less because the Jags wanted to see what he had and more because they just had to put someone else in the game. The game was over. Yeah. Like the game was over and Trayvon needed a breather. That's, that's what it was. You know, he played six snaps. Five of those were pass rushes. I think they were all passing plays. Five pass rushes. He had a nice pressure, you know, a nice little inside move against the right tackle. Yeah. Chase Chase on. I, I I think I don't have his exact snaps in front of me, but I know he had 14 pass rush snaps and overall, you know, wasn't able to record a pressure. Part of that is the position that he plays on the defense. Like he's the backup strong side outside linebacker. So when he is in there, a lot of plays, he's kind of restricted in what he can do, but okay, here we go. He played 31% of the snaps. He played 22 snaps, rushed the passer on 14 of them. Didn't record a pressure. He, he, I did notice he was spying Richardson a few times, like on Allen sack in the first half, he was spying him, mm. but like it, 
you, you obviously can't, you know, unhonk that horn, but you go back and <laughs> I've you, never heard that one before. No? <laughs> That's good. Thank you. You you look at what Arden Key did to Penning and you look at what you got from that role this week and they they did need Dewan Smoot to come back ready to I was about to say like Dewan Smoot's gonna be the savior because like we've talked about like the depth being a concern if Allen or Trayvon got hurt because it's like now what? But even if they don't get hurt, even if they are both don't miss a game for the entire season, like we saw in week one with Trayvon especially, like you just can't like have your number one, number two guys playing that many snaps. People like build deep pass rotations for a reason to like keep fresh uh, edge rushers like available. And so the Jaguars have some fresh edge rushers, but like they don't just don't really do a lot. Um, and so that's going to start to matter like this week against a much better passer and Patrick Mahomes, but then also like down the stretch of the season, once like there's some wear and tear on everyone's bodies. All right. So Nick, so last year, Trayvon Walker played 77% of the snaps. He played 85% in week one. In Nick Bosa's career, he's played 77% of the snaps or more in just one season. And he has, you know, really kind of averaged out at 74, you know, 75, you know, snap percentage snaps. Kind of what you saw from Trayvon last year when you had guys like Arden Key and DeWan Smoot who can spell him. So, I like, just that amount of snaps isn't really, you know, sustainable. No, it's not. Uh, I don't think I have anything else on the defense. Mike Caldwell, I thought, called a good game. Like, they, like there weren't many moments. Like, he some nice pressures. Trey Herndon had a nice game. He got, you know, two pressures, some nice tackles in space. I thought Fourier Luicon had a, you know, solid outing. Like, the defense, in my opinion, you know, played well. It, it was a good showing from them. To me, maybe the most impressive play was when, you know, Indianapolis tried to, like, hurry up into a QB sneak on fourth down, like, thinking the Jaguars weren't going to be organized. They could just get a free play. And the Jaguars instantly, you know, lined up, knew what to do, and kind of stuffed it. To me, that, like, shows, like, guys who are comfortable with each other, you know, it's second year in a system, knowing what to do in that situation. That, to me, is where you can kind of see the benefit of keeping, you know, the system and everything kind of in place for second year. I, I, I thought it was kind of what you wanted to see from Mike Caldwell and his unit in week one. And I I, I really don't think, you know, probably could have gone any better for the defense. I mean, they several, you know, 0-3 held the Colts 0-3 on fourth down. Yeah, I was just looking that up. What three three takeaways? You know Tyson's interception, uh, you know his forced fumble, and then Andre Cisco's forced fumble. I mean, it was it was to me as good as you wanted to see from the defense against that specific team. Yeah, honestly, the only thing is like the asterisk is with the opposition and not with the Jaguars because like we talked about how the second half of last season the Jags defense performed really well, but it was also against a slate of like fake quarterbacks like Davis Mills and Zach Wilson for the most part, at least, and, like, Justin Herbert with, without Mike Williams, et cetera. So, like, rookie quarterback without really much weapons. It, like, they did what they were supposed to do, just like the offense kind of did what they were supposed to do by eventually scoring 30-plus points. So the real test for Mike Caldwell and the whole unit will definitely be this week. I'm probably most looking forward to Mike Caldwell against the Bengals and Joe Burrow just because – Seems like Joe Burrow has struggled a little bit with like rotating coverages and exotic blitzes and stuff like that between last week against the Browns and then also two 
if not three games against the Ravens last year with their defense coordinator, Mike McDonald. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Mike Mike Caldwell against the Bengals, but the Chiefs is like as good of a test there is. Yeah, absolutely. And we will get into all of that on Friday morning. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> the cheese. Take, take, take the bait. Take the bait. Dance for me. Dance. All right. Gus, you got anything else, you know, for uh, actually go, go back to the hot takes sort of week. Let's see who, let's see. Let's okay. see how we yeah, do. yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I got a hot take written down for this week too. I don't know if you do, but last week I said Calvin Ridley would score a first quarter touchdown. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. For some hot take earlier. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You said Trayvon was going to get 7.5 sacks in season. Like you talked well about, Calvin Ridley, Jags, top three passing offense TVOA. I said said Jack Leonard would be the worst linebacker on the field. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the one you wanted. That was at the top. Shaq, the worst linebacker year. I mean, it's probably between him and Devin Lloyd. I don't even think Devin Lloyd, like, had a bad game, but, like, just off the top of my head. Some of the two Colts linebackers were pretty sweet. Speed and uh, Franklin. Okay, I feel good about that one. Yeah, yeah. go ahead and shoot your hot take off for this week. I got one. Okay, my hot take is that Chris Jones will have more pressures than Travis Kelsey will have catches in week two. Because basically what I mean by that is I'm a lot more scared of Chris Jones in this matchup than I am of Travis Kelsey. Chris Jones missed week one from a contract holdout, but he signed a new deal yesterday on Monday, stay in Kansas City for the year. Um, and, like, he, like, almost single-handedly won both Chiefs games last year. And we just got finished talking about how we're concerned about the Jags' interior line after they got kind of killed by Buckner and Stewart. So, like, Chris Jones is – like, you're going to see his name a lot on Sunday. But then for Travis Kelsey, he definitely had a big part in both the Chiefs' wins last year as well. Um, but I'm less confident in him having like a really big game, partly because he's coming off of an injury instead of a contract holdout. Uh, so he's expected to play in week two, but it's not for sure. And then also, like, I just have more trust in like Devin Lloyd and Andre Cisco at this time than I did last year to do a better job of helping to slow him down. That's fair. That's fair. I really like to see them press. Kelsey at the line of scrimmage and just make him as uncomfortable as possible. Because I remember at least in the Bucks Super Bowl win against the Chiefs, like Levante David would kind of like press up on Kelsey, and not really give him any space, and it disrupted timing big time between Kelsey and Mahomes. Uh, and like pressing Travis Kelsey is so much easier said than done, but like just finding a way to make Kelsey uncomfortable, I think, is pretty big for Week Two. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I would think doing that with Rayshon Jenkins would probably be, you know, really the way, way to go. You don't see Devin – I mean, not Devin – you don't see Andre Sisko in a lot of one-on-ones with tight ends, at least compared to, you know, Rayshon Jenkins. That that would yeah. be, I think, one of the bigger matchups to watch. I agree with – like, I definitely agree that it will be Rayshon on the job more than Sisko, but, like, just the times that Sisko is involved, like, I've – For sure. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, 100%. My hot take is – I'm going to save a Chiefs hot take for Friday. My hot take in general is Matt Ryan, New York Jets. 
Oh, okay. Four and thirteen. <laughs> Matt Ryan. What was Matt the last thing you said? Four and thirteen. <laughs> Four and thirteen. I I, I I I have no words for what kind of season they are about the about, I, it like they hired Nate Hackett literally for Aaron Rodgers, and literally Nate Hackett's offense is Aaron Rodgers called a play at the line of scrimmage. Yes. Like, yeah, that's so true. Like, like I, I, in Hard Knocks, there was a clip of Zach Wilson saying, "Like, oh, like there's a crazy amount of like control at the line of scrimmage. Like, Aaron can just like change it to anything he wants." Which, like, like that didn't necessarily like confirm it, or I guess that did kind of confirm it, but we already knew before that. I mean. Yeah. But yeah, like on the Manning cast last night when Wilson was in the game, like Eli was like, like in the early in the third quarter, Eli says, Peyton, how many times do you think they're going to let Zach Wilson throw the ball <laughs> again? And Peyton Manning just like says blank face three times. <laughs> He's so he, disgusted. Isn't he that? starts dropping backwards. Peyton's like, yeah, let's go backwards. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a good bit. It was a good bit. I'm, I'm excited for the Manning cast and the Jaguars. Oh, man. Good stuff. Gus, you got anything else before we hop off until Friday? Uh, we were going to do game balls. You want you want to just – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. For offense, I'll go Press Taylor. No, just kidding. I'll go Trevor Lawrence for the reasons I outlined earlier, just combining his down-to-down efficiency from last year with explosiveness now that Rid- Ridley is here. Like, everything that I was looking for in week one, I saw, minus, like, the two ugly turnovers, but that was more yeah. like um, – and then for defense, like Josh Allen, yeah, kind of hard. I'm, I'm I'm going to purposely pick against you and go Calvin Ridley and Andre Cisco. I, I mean they, their best players on the team are the guys who played the best on like Sunday, and I think that's what you need to see. You know, like their stars played like stars, and their young guys who they really want to ascend played like guys who, you know, Arson and like Tyson Campbell and Andre Cisco, you know, mentioned Tyson, both had, you know, great games. Like that that 2021 class, man, it, it, it is carrying that team right now. I mean, you even I, I'm I'm doing like a weekly rookie like check in, like how the mm-hmm. rookies play that week. And it's literally like so the first three picks and you see Abdullah and then everybody else practice squad injured. <laughs> like, it's like a 14 person class and yeah. people are even like making any kind of difference. No, but you're right. The 2021 class is definitely big time. The other game ball I was considering handing out is to Zay Jones because we didn't really talk about him when we talked about Kirk earlier. But like part of the reason that Kirk isn't getting close to 90% of the snaps is because the Jaguars coaching staff and their quarterback has clear trust in Zay Jones. And he made probably the play of the game with that like end zone grab. Um, So like Zay is definitely a big part of the offense and had a really big game. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we didn't mention it. I don't know if they win that game without Jamal Agnews, you know. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, that was so big. It It's probably a time to change his role on offense, but it, it, <laughs> at the very least, the special teams, it, it looked good. It looked really good. That was – he went from the five to the opposing 45 That's in crazy. the fourth quarter. Like I That think offense he, was not going 95 yards. <laughs> I think it generated, like – two point something expected points added on that one punt return, which basically means like that punt return is worth two out of the Jaguars is seven points that they scored on the drive. I buy that. <laughs> like, I mean, he got them like halfway down the field. It probably could be more just subject yeah. objectively. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. 
Uh, but yeah, well, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you shouted out Agnew because that was huge. Yeah. You you got anything else until Friday? No, I'll see you then. Yes, sir. We'll be back bright and early Friday morning to preview Jaguars versus the Chiefs. The name in the blank bank. No, the game in the blank bank. Dang it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll have that ready for Friday. I still don't have to sign up on the front. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It is a faceless mask. That, that, that's the only way to put that. It that, uh, Update the signage for Sunday. That's my take. I, I, that's my take for the week. I was there with you yesterday. I didn't notice at all. It's been for like the last month. Oh, open your eyes and smell the roses, guys. All right. We'll all right. Do that for Friday. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys Friday.